Beardy and the Beast Media Club. This is placeholder intro song. Thank you for joining us for Beardy and the Beast Media Club, a full spoiler discussion into a piece of media. We'll not sacrifice those spoilers to placate a watching god. If you enjoy what we do, please consider sharing us with your friends or join the discussion in the comments or at our Discord. My name is Drew, and yes, he is sassing you, boy. Devin? <laughs> Yo. Today we'll be discussing 2011's horror comedy, Cabin in the Woods. So Devin, did this fulfill your needs, or will you be bringing the apocalypse upon us? <laughs> No, I'd say, say this movie um, satiates the the hunger. One's hunger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. When you look at horror movies, like they are probably some of the tropiest things out there. Mm-hmm. And for, for good reason. It, it's the idea is you're playing on basal fears, mm. so so that trope is going to be there. And I like how. I like how this movie didn't deconstruct it and it didn't deconstruct the tropes, but it subverted them in a very clever way. I definitely agree. In fact, it, one of the things that I was initially thinking is unlike films of this nature, it was trying to subvert the tropes or criticize the tropes themselves rather than trying to subvert the viewer. Yeah. Or the expectations. It's almost like this piece is a criticism of like a stagnant horror scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you get similar things like Scream did it in a bit more serious way. Mm-hmm. Just with the, with the, they knew they were in a movie. <laughs> um, uh, or, sorry, they were genre savvy enough to know what was happening. I knew if they followed the rules of the movie, it would be fine. Um, this one here, uh, it let you know that, yes, this is the trope, and here's why we're going to make the characters do the dumb decisions, right? Um, because everyone goes, oh, why are you splitting up? That's and like, oh, drugs, drugs do it. <laughs> well, that And that was such a, like a fun scene because Buddy was like, all right, we stick together and we go room to room and we barricade. And everyone in, in that office was like, oh no, oh, this is the worst thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> and like, we're actually panic- panicking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's really clever in the way that they, they do things like that throughout. Um, just, and clearly the idea that they had this set up for a while, I was like, oh yeah, there were the, Hair dye was laced to make her the, to make her the dumb blonde. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, we've did something. I can't remember what they did to um, uh, Chris Hemworth's character Kurt. Uh, it's like, why is he acting all alpha male? He's a sociology major. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh so hard too. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, it, it, it's really good. And um, just remember. Even though, you know, drugs are bad, apparently they can save your life in a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually probably the only straight subversion in the film. 
the the thing is they can save your life in a horror movie but apparently they doom the entire world yeah yeah time for a new order anyway <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, general horror movie trope would be drugs are bad, okay? And clearly you're going to die. That's why the virgin is the one that can live. And they're the one that, again, that comes from the basal fears and the, the societal thoughts around a lot of the horror movies, right? It's like, oh, you had sex, you die. Oh, you did drugs, you die. You looked yeah. at someone the wrong way, you die. <laughs> what's What's kind of interesting that like bringing that up, it always seems to go on a scale. So it always seems to start um, with the least pure person. Yeah. And work its way along the path of uh, like ascending purity mm -hmm. to the point where it gets to the end. And then, of course, the most pure can't, can't die. Yeah. Or can as long as she's last. True. I really appreciate. How it was like subverting the genre while still like feeding into it. It's like what you were, were saying about like this, the splitting up versus staying together, like giving all those exact reasons as to um, why they had to do that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really clever. It's like a lot of horror movies, you know, you spend uh, what's the trope called? The thing's called uh, 20 minutes with jerks. Yeah. So you have to see how bad the characters are. And I like the fact that they did the 20 minutes with jerks. But you get to see, he's like, oh no, these are all just pretty chill dudes. <laughs> just look at them joking around, having a good time. Um, so you feel for the characters differently too. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny because the... Like they... They all seemed flawed and fallible. Um, we're all quite intelligent, like kind of um, peak movie student. So they're mm. all quite quite smart, athletic, and very attractive, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact about the very attractive. Mm. Um, uh, oh, what's his name? because I can only think of his name from Dollhouse now, Marty. Mm. Um, he, the reason why on the, on the dog scene, he was like fully clothed mm. and didn't jump in was because he was more ripped than the others. <laughs> <laughs> and it would break the character. Yeah, I could see that. Because you'd expect that, like the stoner guy to be um, out of shape, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> He's and he he's the only one that kind of fed the most into his his archetype. Mm. Like there was no real need for him to change. I guess like before he was a very functioning stoner, and they were trying to make him into a brain dead stoner. Yeah, but and that was the least significant change. Yeah. Some would argue there was no change. Yeah. <laughs> I I like that transition too. Like you have the two you have the two jocks and one of them 
starts converting into like a nerd archetype and the other one goes like super alpha male yeah and you have what's what's interesting is you you had your so-called uh dumb blonde transitioning from someone who was criticizing her friend for like sleeping with her teacher going into was it they called it the the horror archetype yeah just like these transitions and they were actually subtle to start and then they kind of ramped up significantly once they started getting inebriated mm. it's kind of interesting too because like when you talk talk about like the change between the the warrior and the scholar archetypes when we're actually introduced to those two characters i almost would have swapped it yep because you had you had Kurt going, it's like, no, these are the books you need to read because he has this one memorized. So you're going to sound cool if you do this way here. Mm-hmm. And you had, um, um, Holden just like catching a random football flying out a window. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of interesting that they did that, but I think it's probably more, they probably did that more to fit the archetypes better because you're not, it's easy to turn uh, Kurt into the warrior who sleeps with the whore. Then, yeah, yeah, that's just know, they're in a relationship and such. So, yeah, just I based on the characters the as they had. Yeah, so I understand the manipulation from you know the organization. Do we even get a name for the organization? Uh, can't remember. It might. I think it might have just been something like the Institute, or I might have been mm-hmm. listening to an SCP thing earlier today. Fair enough. Uh, another thing I think the the film does really well is kind of the there's kind of some nice little foreshadowing um, throughout. I think the one that really stood out to me, um, having watched it again this time, was the um, the earthquake when they um, triggered the fool's death. Mm. I'm like, oh, they straight up told you he wasn't dead. <laughs> That's like, it's the, no, you've angered the gods from the ritual uh. by falsely saying he's dead. Uh, I thought that was, that was really nice. Chris, but, did the, but the laser lettuce gave him super strength. So he was able to take, take out a zombie even when stabbed in the back. Yep. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, too stone to feel the pain. <laughs> <laughs> On that kind of same note, one thing that I wish they had kind of followed a little bit more subtle foretellings of Marty. Like, one of the first things that he says, I wrote it down here, was uh, society needs to crumble. You're just too chicken, too, too chicken shit to let it. Um, yeah. and you'll come to see things my way. Mm. I, I was, when he said that, I was like, oh, he's like spelling out the movie for us, or at least the ending. I, yeah. I wish they had dabbled in that like a couple more times, like mm. once or twice. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because that's both the fool 
um, as being the fool in this film and being the fool in the, the Institute's machinations, a lot of times that character will be spouting the things that are actually happening mm-hmm. in, in a roundabout way. Um, that so might, could, might have been why they chose not to go full-fledged into that. Mm. Yeah, and it's also, again, partially possible because he wasn't because he wasn't actually ever under the influence, so mm. he didn't quite get it the same way. So he ended up having a dual role of of kind of doing those little bits of foreshadowing like that, but also being that um, audience standing going like, why are you running up the stairs type? Uh, um, type interactions, right? Mm. Um, they bring the normalcy that the audience should be questioning, which helps make it that little bit more effective. <laughs> well, it's one of the things like using that character for the audience to kind of project upon, um, as, as well. To, mm-hmm. So like having him be downstairs and he's just like, we, we need to leave. No, this is I creepy. Leave. <laughs> yeah. Don't you dare read out that Latin. Like, being the voice of the audience was kind of fun. Yeah. Didn't you say something when Hemsworth's character was like, hey, we should split up? I thought he did something like that. I think he did, but I can't... No. I think he did, but I can't remember what it was. He's, he was doing that throughout the film, so just mm-hmm. kind of forget to note it all down. <clears throat> yeah, I do think he says, like, what are you... Yeah, I did think he had like a "you're are you crazy" type thing. Um, I'll tell I, you. I'll tell you one thing. Hmm. Speaking of the characters, it's kind of apparent to me that, or at least as as of the shooting of this film, I don't think uh, Chris Emsworth had ever ridden a motorcycle before. <laughs> were you triggered as you were when we were playing Resident Evil? No. <laughs> But it was close. It's like he was doing something with his left hand and he was kind of like rotating it as if he was like rolling on or off. And I'm like... Like, don't work that way. Well, it was a dirt bike. Because the the left hand... You'll correct me on this. The left hand's like the clutch or something, isn't it? It's usually the clutch. However, there are situations where it can be the brake. It depends on the configuration. Um, But the handlebar doesn't rotate. Mm. And he was... He was holding the lever as such that he had two fingers under it and two fingers over it. Mm. And like... He wouldn't even, wouldn't be able to pull it in. There's there's just no way no reason to have your hand in that configuration, unless right. it's like some weird bike racing thing that I've never heard of before. And Chris Hemworth is actually like a pro, you know, bike racer or something. Well, I can tell you, I didn't notice that. <laughs> what I did notice was the callback to that force field. And I think that is so amazing. <laughs> yeah, they, He's going to make it. <laughs> and just, just the long drawn out fall throughout that entire thing. Yeah. 
Like it, it almost even reminds me of uh, Lord of the Rings, where Gandalf fights the Balrog and then falls. Mm. He just falls forever. <laughs> and like in a horror movie, what a way to die! Oh yeah. You know, just when you think they get that little bit of hope, like nope. <laughs> And again, just the fact they subtly do it, because I mean, obviously they show that with the eagle right at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. um, which it's so easy to go. It's like, oh, yeah, no, this is just showing that they're in an isolated thing, which we could expect anyway from from the organization controlling everything. So you'd expect that. And just for it to call back that way, I, I thought was fantastic. Why would you even think you'd need that? <laughs> Right? Who's going to jump the canyon? <laughs> well, I imagine it probably goes um, from ground up. Mm. So, I mean, technically, like, they could have shown up with rock climbing stuff and tried to, like, go across the side of that tunnel. Because mm. it wasn't very long, technically speaking. Yeah. So they could have rigged something and tried to, like, climb across. Yeah. Not with the redneck zombie family, <laughs> which is That's... completely different from zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how Buddy got in. Like they, they definitely showed like the bloody handprint. Yeah, was he just like sitting in the back that entire time, like deciding not to do anything? <laughs> like was he was he using the restroom in the camper? <laughs> yeah, that was a. That's probably the biggest unexplained contrivance mm. I, I would say because i don't think because they clearly don't have actually any actual control over the monsters yeah um so uh yeah how that happens kind of like okay i guess i'll i'll buy it just because the rest of the tone of the film allows for it mm-hmm. um but no i would definitely say that's the plot that's a big plot hole within the film. But I mean, you got to kill them when the time makes sense to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's part of it being tropey as well. But yeah, that's probably the one that's like, yeah, you didn't set this one up like you would have, like you had previous ones. Speaking of the redneck zombie family, mm. it's nice to see Alessa again. <laughs> oh, was that Alessa? Yeah. Um, patience. Is Jodel Fairland? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, the Jeez. good Alessa, not 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 the bad Alessa from <laughs> Revelations. <laughs> I'm all over the place right now. I guess like you don't you don't really see her. Uh, like it, it's very hard to tell. There was a painting in the basement or a photo. Of patience, where you could see it was her. Okay, I just, I am, I am glad that, um, like, given that information, I'm glad she didn't have any speaking lines because I would have hated to be like resharing in the middle of such a good film. No, she was older and she was playing the monster. Unless <laughs> it was awesome, we didn't have Sharon in this. <laughs> True. Yeah. 
And this would have been when she's had a bit more acting under her belt too, right? Well, significant. Just like taking a look at what she's worked is. She's been a lot of things. She really has. Blood Rain 2? Made a second Blood Rain movie? Oh god, why? <laughs> I okay. like the games, but... Again, I think she's amazing in... Uh... I, I really like her in Dark Matter. That's a good I... show. Speaking of something that we weren't speaking of... And the Vampire the Masquerade game was terrible. They really need to make it. Like, it doesn't hold on. Terrible. Yeah, the I bought it and tried playing it. Yeah, no, it's it's not good. It's <laughs> uh, a good story there. Maybe, like, at the time. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> kind of following suit to the way that... It was subverting the genre. This, I think, um, I think, Ro what was it Rogue One was like this, just like no room for a sequel. Yeah, it's just like nope, it's over. That's one of the first things the directors would ask during like one of the screenings, like, "Will there be a sequel?" He's like, "Did you watch the movie?" <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, while I know there shouldn't be a sequel, I want to see the Japanese scenario. <laughs> <laughs> how how it played out yes <laughs> well con considering all those other locations were supposed to be calls to like uh other films such as the ring and the thing um this i guess this would be the paramount's paramount sequel itself mm. so in all those other horror movies where the uh villain failed that was the world being saved in this reality okay whereas where the villain succeeded that was that particular institute which makes me wonder now and i might have to look into this after they mentioned failing in 98 due to mm. chemical mm. so i'm wondering what movie they were referencing oh that's a good question that was another bit of foreshadowing that i forgot to mention Oh, yeah, the chemical. Yeah. <laughs> well, everything was messing up there. Like, maintenance was messing up. Yeah. <laughs> chemical. All the things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what was 98? Now that I'm thinking about that, now I've got to Google stuff. Because <laughs> that entered my mind, too. Um, or even a real world thing that happened in 98. Hmm. Uh, an opening scene headline comments that there's no problem since 98 number one horror film in the US box office 98 was Halloween H2O 20 years later in which the final girl definitively kills the slasher despite the series continuing it doesn't sound like it would break the trope because there's nothing saying they can't defeat the monster it just has to be the final girl that's the last one alive mm -hmm. oh it might have been the faculty Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, film has all five archetypes. None of the five archetypes die. The monster alien is killed by homemade narcotic amphetamine um, cooked up by the scholar. Oh, that's AKA 100%. A, the chem department's fault. Yeah. 
that a hundred percent that's it it's been so long that i can't could barely remember the faculty but i'm looking at the rest of these like okay so i still know what you did last summer like there was nothing else i really really like the faculty even though it's a bad movie (laughs) (laughs) apparently when the ring came out too the jap or the american version of the ring nope japanese version of the ring uh thank you stack exchange user Dylan and edited by Laurel. We knew there was something. Yeah, because there, there's clearly yeah, it, it was clearly a reference to something. I don't know how actually don't even know if they could have made it more overt when necessarily know if I hadn't seen it in a while. This is actually funny because Elijah Wood was in the faculty, I think. Yes. And Elijah Wood is referenced on the board. Monster board as Kevin. Yes. (laughs) Which, by the way, is the creepiest character in any movie was Cannibal Kevin in Sin City. Yeah, we'll get to that one day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of references, um... So I guess they always knew they wanted to have the director be someone big. Mm. Um, you know, they had Sigourney Weaver, which works. Um, just funny because Sigourney, like, I guess the director's always like, I always wanted to work with Sigourney Weaver. And she's like, I always wanted to be in a movie that had a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, I guess it makes sense for her. But like some of the other people they were considering would have made so much more sense in my mind. Because even though, you know, obviously she has a bit of screen, scream queen history herself, you know, yeah. alien. Um, when you find out that they were also considering like um, uh, Campbell mm. for it or Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. Or I think both of them would have been a better reference. Than Sigourney Weaver? You know who I would have liked? Hmm. Forgetting her name. You're going to be astounded that I'm forgetting her name. <laughs> sec here. I'll figure it the new casting system on. The one with the circles instead? If you click on, um... If you click on the full cast crew, it'll... Show the other version. Uh, there phone? it is. Uh, I I would have I would have liked Gillian uh, Anderson as the director. Oh, I don't know how much it would fit, but I just like. I feel like that character would have been suited. Yeah, I could. Of course, that could be just based on the portrayal by Sigourney. So. Well, I think so. Yeah, Gillian Anderson. Um, when we look at her as Scully, a hundred percent. I I just see her as yeah. Bowie as the director. <laughs> American Gods is good. <laughs> First season, anyway. So, um, uh, yeah, I. 
Like it makes sense in my head, but I don't think like like you were saying. I don't um, think she's scream queeny enough. Yeah. For it. Definitely X Files, but well, I mean X Files crosses so many lines, it's not always horror. It's sci-fi, that type of thing too. Well, I mean what yeah, what's her face from Scream would have been fine. Dave Campbell? Yeah. Yeah. If Campbell would have made a, a good director if we're going that way. Or even like um a buddy from Supernatural. Uh Jensen Ackles. Mm. It's like he's done a bunch of horror movie stuff as well. Jensen Ackles, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I guess it would have been I don't think Jensen Yes, I could see him doing, doing it, it then. I don't think Yeah, it's doing it then I think would have been almost too much because that that would be like the height of supernatural right 2010 2011 true and so the idea of taking someone like pretty much everyone else we've mentioned like they weren't major in the spotlight but definitely work as as needed there another thing that i really like about the way that they did this film is it's an issue that I see with a lot of horror movies mm. is they always last like 20 minutes too long. Yes. And like really the horror part of this movie was so condensed and everything just kind of happens at once. Mm. And then we never actually get that part where it's like, Oh God, like this is the worst part of the horror movie, the ending <laughs> by swapping it into the, into the narrative of the office and just unleashing everything I think works really well. Well, it helps like, um, maintain attention in a very stereotypical trope that has been established and like they knowingly have like mm -hmm. everyone, uh, finger quotation knows what's going to happen based on, um, the, monster archetype and the character archetype that they're constructing so yeah. for them to drop it into the office to like release any tension there and like bring in some levity mm. and then go back to what's going on and then just like at the end just being like lol no this isn't actually a horror movie anymore it's kind of more out of action for a part yeah <laughs> and then uh just like hard ending it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I really want like something I meant to do and just didn't like just freeze frame the, um, all the cubes mm. and just see, okay, what do we have in there? Like, I know some, I know some that are there just from reading about it. So like they have the reavers from firefly mm -hmm. are in there. Um, they have, um, a boomer tank and witch mm. from um, Left 4 Dead because originally they were actually going to have a tie-in, but oh, then really? the original, yes. But um, so I think it was MGM that had the film originally went bankrupt. Yeah. Or the, the film that had it went bankrupt. So that tie-in failed and the movie wasn't revived till a few years later. Um, and apparently there's a flying purple people eater. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just wondering what all of the 
all of them would be. Uh, I'm sure there's got to be some some fantastic references, just like we had on the whiteboard. Like, having deadites makes perfect sense to be there. Um, Kevin, it's <laughs> not explained. But if you know, cool little references. And this is the type of film that... Oh, yeah, they... They had, yeah, reference to the, uh, that movie where for 24 hours crime is legal. Um, purge, yeah. Yeah, the purge, um, evil monster or evil doctors, it. Yeah. Like, yeah. In two different versions of monsters from the Evil Dead series, the Deadites and then the, um, I can't remember exactly how it was phrased, but it's what made me stop watching Evil Dead the first time I watched it. And I'm like, this is going to turn into some hentai shit. <laughs> and then it did. <laughs> With the the super friendly trees. <laughs> I also like that a unicorn was a monster. Yes, I'm, I'm very keen on just a unicorn, just like murking people. Yeah. <laughs> there was uh it happened in an episode of Supernatural and I thought it was hilarious. Okay. <laughs> apparently apparently there's there is a whole lot and just a whole list of like giant things. Giant mm -hmm. alligator, giant ant, giant ape, giant spider. Um I know the giant cobra was a reference to Buffy. I know that for sure. Yeah, because there's a lot there. You had, they said, it, werewolf, um, the ghosts, the dancer. Uh, the dancer gave me a very Silent Hill type feel. <laughs> yes. Apparently, there might have been a snake pubic hair woman. All right. So, kind of like a <laughs> upside down Medusa, maybe. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those things is like freeze frame bonus and. I mean, um, even though, like, I, I know Whedon um, wrote this with uh, with um, Drew Goddard. Mm. And so I know that there's going to be references everywhere. And just, yeah, just taking a look, freeze frame and going, yeah, let's see what they actually had. It would be something fun to do. Play Monster Bingo or something. <laughs> um of the writing i mean they wrote this in three days because a couple of their other movies got rejected <laughs> pretty impressive <laughs> i guess at the at the time this was definitely kind of like in vogue like making things critical of its own genre mm. so it makes sense why it was picked up and the fact that it came out would just be like why don't we make a movie a horror movie that criticizes all the horror movie tropes that's not scream but it's interesting because apparently they had this movie filmed like two years before it actually released like this movie was filmed and ready to go before thor so it's, it's always so weird um like having found that out now makes a lot of sense in my head because there was always this kind of like time period change around the release of thor and this movie, like when I saw it, 
that made me like confused because it's quite obvious that Hemsworth is older than Thor, but Thor came out first. Yeah. That's a big reason why. <laughs> Apparently there's both witches and sexy witches. Yes. That's supposed to be another Buffy reference. Apparently <laughs> the sexy, which is um, Amy. Uh, um, again, they're clearly different, just like zombies versus redneck zombie family. <laughs> uh, which is funny. Just taking a look at the board, I'm just kind of like hung up on this point because they have zombies, they have the reanimated, and they have zombie redneck torture family. Yeah. Um, but as one line, there is Sasquatch Wendigo Yeti. Yes. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, Wendigo and Sasquatch are don't think are generally tied together. Yeti and Sasquatch definitely are. Mm. <laughs> um, I didn't realize that there's reanimated and zombies because I definitely believe that the redneck zombie torture family is very different from just normal zombies. Yeah, you throw in the, some of that, the hills have eyes to it. And <laughs> uh, yeah. What I don't what I don't understand is like if they knew they were going to a, the cabin why were, why did they have an RV? Yeah. Um maybe it was a couple of days to get there. <laughs> well I mean I I guess in that kind of line one of the things that they they said at the end is like I don't think Kurt has a cousin. Yes. <laughs> so it's entirely possible like they didn't even know how many rooms were at this cabin. Mm. It's technically like it was set up in such a weird way. Yes. Um, yeah, that is very true. Why did they have the RV? <laughs> um, but yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I mean, again, they, they set up everything. Um, they're just going back to the manipulation. I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit on this one here, but it's kind of how the... I don't know. Works for the conversation. The, um, the, pod, the podcasts always go how the movie goes. <laughs> That's true. Um, other little things that I liked for them controlling the situations, like why would you drop the weapon when you have one? But they like actually shocked her to make her drop the knife that she used. I don't know if you if you caught that part. I I did the little shock. Yeah, I, I loved that. I wish I. I'd almost want to go back and listen to Mordecai's ramblings when he's called the Harbinger, when mm. he's calling to tell him that they're there. So I'm like, I wonder how much of, um, how much he's actually saying there, but I got so distracted by everyone just laughing at him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and that's, you have these, it's, it's like one of two times where, uh, the two worlds, the like overworld of the cabin and then the world of like this institute actually merge. Yeah. And Mordecai being a super serious, like creepy self compared to like the attitude inside the institute. Like it mm. was the perfect clashing of wor worlds. I think as far as like di dialogue and how that scene was portrayed was perfect. Yes. To illustrate both sides <laughs> of that coin. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, 
unfortunately distracted me a little bit because I'm like, I'm sure he's explaining exactly what we need to know. But you're just so distracted by, am I on speakerphone? (laughs) (laughs) That's not cool. I don't know who's there. (laughs) Yeah, I... I like, again, as well as how they explain why everything is so bloody creepy. Why you have to have the creepy... The creepy guy at the gas station. Why you have to have the creepy paintings in the bedrooms? Because, like, look, we're giving you the warning signs. I don't know why you're still here. I wouldn't still be here in this in this place. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, it's like that. Like having them be presented a choice, mm-hmm. and them choosing to stay. Like the entire plan would have been ruined if they got to that gas station and just went like, this is creepy. Let's just go somewhere else. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's an interesting thing. They kind of bring it up in the movie. Don't quite get the chance to explore it. Cause they're like, where they talk about, it's like, yeah, no, we're clearly, we're, they have to choose, but we're still stacking the deck. So mm. that the free will versus, um, like being uh, guided, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you, I guess it's important. Um, I mean, and like, they at least question it. But it's, it'd be interesting goes like, huh, would they have been like somewhat rational if there hadn't been any of the manip- straight up manipulations? And could they have possibly gotten through it even without the manipulations? Keep them all together and just, you know, Kill them all in one room. <laughs> I think. But I guess. I think they would have had a good chance of survival. Yeah. Mostly because. Um, they had a head on their shoulders. Well, the. All the parts where they were like pushed in a direction is when um, they were killed or died, right? Yeah. They're all like drugged up on whatever mental manipulation drugs they were uh, filled with and then. Um, the two go into the forest and it's like you know it's cold and it's kind of creepy and all of a sudden they like raise the temperature and turn the lights and then release pheromones it's yeah. like um, had that event not occurred um, Jules would have likely lived longer yeah I mean we don't know who would have made it out but I think at least somebody would have hmm but I guess it's yeah. all integral to having some kind of order to it, especially based on the tropes. And, and yeah, it's true. Like you need to have that. And it's, it's interesting just talking about like, again, horror movies are generally across the board, very archetypal when it comes to film. The characters tend to be pretty much the same. You can spot the final girl a mile away. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just interesting from a storytelling standpoint. Like they basically went, I feel he explained like the, it's called the horror heroes journey Mm -hmm. very well. Um, You can see the tropes when they spell it out very clearly without distracting from it. Um, You compare that to something like scream where again, they still spell it out, but without the, ritual aspects 
I mean, that's what a lot of stories are. They're rituals, learning tools, stuff yeah. like that as well. Um, so it's a very interesting way to to take it and build on it. Well, that's one of the things, like, the three greatest movies to illuminate, subvert, and criticize, like, the horror genre, uh, in my opinion, are probably... Uh, Scream, Kevin in the Woods, and Dale and Tucker vs. Evil. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. They all because they all do it in completely different ways. In completely different ways, but they stick within the formula mm-hmm. and just know how to call it the formula properly. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that genre, the genre savvy. I I, I find it just hilarious that you know we talk about genre savvy characters because they exist in films it's like yep way to way to destroy the world by being genre savvy (laughs) (laughs) you which is the complete opposite of like oh no you're genre savvy so that's why you get to be the killer (laughs) because you're genre savvy you know how to do it Uh, one other one i'd add there again for completely different reasons is Shaun of the dead Okay, yeah. All right. Like, it is... Yeah. I'd, I'd add that as a fourth to the list. And honestly, I consider all four of those movies of pretty high regard. Because, again, we've talked about this before. They knew what they were doing. They stuck to the thing they were doing. And, and did it well. Um, and that's what makes us compelling. And, I mean, in the case of Scream, like... I think it stuck well through the sequels too. I haven't seen the latest one yet, but I know when Scream 4 came out, because it basically changed the the majority of the cast, but they still had it. It's like they were genre savvy enough to know you don't fuck with the sequels. Mm. And like um, Nev Campbell says that straight up in the film. It's like, yeah, or so you don't, don't fuck with the originals. Um, I mean, it's it's not like you, you know, practice really hard and become a super dreamer and then you can go fight the big evil using your super dream warrior powers. <laughs> yeah. And it's a shame because they've done a lot of these deconstruction subversion films and just so many of them come across as it's like we've mentioned this before oh i love these types of films i'm going to change everything about them (laughs) and think that's being subversion well that's the thing like this is the big difference there is they they tend to target the viewer opposed to the genre or Mm. the archetypes or the Mm. tropes um they're they're trying to be like oh you thought it was going to be this way that's because you're dumb or because, like, uh, uh, deep down inside you're sexist or something like that. Yeah. Like, uh, trying to sub- subvert the viewer is not, not the way that the, the target should be, especially if you're trying to change film. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly it. And, and the movies that do it the best always come across to me as having a deep understanding of the genre they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of other movies I find like outside of the horror genre that that do this same kind of thing fairly well um things like galaxy quest 
does it for sci-fi quite well. Um, I heard Seth MacFarlane's series. What's that one called? Oh, the uh, the Orville. Yeah, I, I've heard that one does it's, it pretty well too. I haven't seen it myself. It's it started out very strong from what I had seen. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard. Um, uh, Kick Ass is another one that does the subversion um, fairly well, and the reconstruction in that case. And you can just always tell the difference. It's like I remember way back in school, they were talking about just writing stories or or just art English classes. It talks about it's like you need to know the rules and you need to know the rules very well so you can know how to break them. Mm-hmm. And that's what these movies do. And again, we're 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 looking at these movies like I know Joss Whedon. He knows horror. He knows these tropes. He's got very successful series is based off of off of them. Um, uh, nope, I'm going to get the name wrong. Wes, Wes Craven. I was going to say Wes Anderson. I'm like, nope, that's not right. <laughs> um, that is a different person altogether. Yes. <laughs> um, Wes Craven, he knows horror. It makes perfect sense for him to be able to go into Scream and lovingly craft it. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I guess you can see that it's kind of like, again, going off genre, like Tarantino, he knows feet, so you know he's going to get those shots. I still think Kill Bill's a bit overrated, but it's not bad. <laughs> um, the guy <laughs> <who> did... <laughs> Like the first Kill Bill is all right. <laughs> Tucker and Dale. I'm wondering if they're so. Yeah, Eli Craig, I think, is horror too, isn't he? Yeah, like Zombieland. I didn't realize Tucker and Dale came out first. Yeah, I know, right? That was the other way around. I mean, everybody loves a little Tudic in their, their uh, media. It's true. Okay, technically, Tucker and Dale came out first, but. Cabin in the Woods was filmed first. <laughs> um, actually, he's the exception. He doesn't actually, like, he looks like he's done some horror after. That looks like kind of his main debut. Hmm. Um, but again, just clearly knows the genre. Um, I don't know. He, he, like Craig, was, like, acted in a bunch of stuff too, right? Um, yeah, acted in. Yeah, but I mean, even then, only one of those is a horror. Which is Carrie, so Carrie two. <sighs> Carrie harder. <laughs> Carrie goes to college. <laughs> um, I don't know if I don't think Edgar Wright did horror, but I mean he is clearly someone who just loves film. You see that through all of the movies he makes. He's just very genre savvy in general. Um, for Shaun of the Dead, right? Well, kind of bring it back to Cabin in the Woods, like, even though they completely went off the rails with, like, the universe, mm-hmm. and they caused the apocalypse, and there was no way to return from it, etc., they still were so genre-savvy that they ended the film with the, the hand coming out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Which is like a huge trope, like, oh, you know, they, they buried this monster and the hand came out of the ground. Or yeah. um 
out of the water. Yeah. Things like that. Oh, I just wrote some headcanon. <laughs> because Whedon's tied to this. Mm. Now I'm just tying this like, oh, when everything goes to crap in uh, Angel at the at the end of the series, it's because they failed all the tests. Well, there there's <laughs> there's actually a theory, a unified theory of this in the Whedonverse. Yeah. Um. Uh, related to that final battle in Angel, but also, um, the start of the cause is to why people left Earth and ended up in. Uh, like firefly solar system mm, yep because that's not something they really explained about why they left earth in at least not in the expanded universe yeah <laughs> you should check it out there's like this whole unified weed inverse thing and I, i'm pretty yeah. sure it doesn't end up in the mind of an autistic child <laughs> yeah i could see that i mean be interesting how Dollhouse fits into that. <laughs> um, I mean, Dollhouse would be easy. That's covert, yeah. right? Yeah, that's true. Um, the only thing that makes me go, that always makes stuff like that hard to to go, it's like, but, oh, that could have been cool, actually. Because mm. Amy Acker is in it, mm -hmm. in both. Because Fred becomes a god in yeah. Angel. So it's like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Kem is actually one of the old ones walking around. <laughs> okay. Maybe Kem didn't mess it up. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> like my head cannon. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to find that after the cast and figure out this whole, like, weed inverse. Yeah. That'd actually be a fun filler arc is to find and discuss a few of these verses. I like this idea. Yeah. Yeah. Some short novels of that. <laughs> Anyways, we'll wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With that, this has been Beardy and the Beast Media Club. Join us next time where we discuss the film Law Abiding Citizen. As always, if you enjoyed what we do, uh, feel free to like and subscribe or join the conversation in the comments or at our Discord. Later.